Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His risen Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning, as it will throughout the season of Easter, comes to us from the book of Acts, this morning from chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So far our text. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This description of the ancient church in Jerusalem is a goal that many movements in the church have sought to regain throughout history. The state of being of one heart and soul. The state where the church sees herself as one big family. Brothers and sisters of her risen Lord. Sons and daughters of the heavenly King. And the fellowship comes and goes in the life of the church. St. John writes, That which we have seen and heard, so that you too may have fellowship with us. As he then says that their, their fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Fellowship that is seen as we walk as children of the light. As we look at the church in Acts, as we will in the Sunday morning adult Bible study, we see that this fellowship truly began in the Gospels. Luke writes his history of the church in Acts as a sequel of his Gospel. A sequel of Jesus' ministry in the flesh that went through his teachings and miracles, his passion and death, ultimately ending up with his resurrection and ascension. Everything recorded in Acts and everything the church has done in the last two millennia stems from that initial fellowship. And while the fellowship is singular in source, it is manifold in expression. It shows itself as a true unity of love and spirit. The love of Christ. His love makes us a family. His love shows us that this family is not of blood. His love shows us that His family is one in spirit. His love created this family. His love sustains this family. And love is increased by the gathering of ourselves together. And love being increased of necessity, the things of God must follow. The church in Jerusalem was ever increasing in love because they continued to gather together. In that gathering, Christ's love grew exponentially, going from 120 in the upper room on Pentecost morning when 3,000 were baptized to over 5,000 just a couple of months later. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. These new converts were added because the church was united in Christ's love and spirit. His spirit was kept alive and strengthened through the great power He bestowed upon His apostles. It was the spirit, the love of the risen Christ that lived in the disciples, that actuated them and prompted them to give evidence of true and unselfish love. The apostles' testimony was accompanied by miracles. The miracles demonstrated the Holy Spirit's presence among the church. But we don't have that. We don't have the miracles accompanying our words. So how do we know that we are united in Christ's love and the Spirit? Our proclamation of the faith. The same faith handed down from the early church in Jerusalem. 
St. Jude, one of the members of the Jerusalem church, encouraged his beloved to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The apostles needed the miracles to be actuated. And we are actuated by the record of their testimony. What was delivered to them and that they handed down to us. And that unity comes in the very same way for us as it did for the early church. As Luke says in Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. These basic elements of liturgical worship are the crucial junctures of our unity as Christians. The apostles' teaching is the teaching of Christ. They repeated what He said and revealed to them through their time together. Then they wrote it down, as had the prophets before them, so that the following generations might know that Jesus said and did these things. And as John writes at the end of his gospel, that there were many more things that could have been written, but that the things that are written are there so that we may know and believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And this is the great ending of Psalm 22. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim His righteousness to a people yet unborn. They were not just preparing people to talk to their neighbors today and tomorrow. They were preparing people to share their faith with their children and their grandchildren. Their fellowship is strengthened by their gathering together around the Word and Sacrament to build each other up. As the author to the Hebrews writes, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. Christian fellowship is primarily concerned with stirring one another up and encouraging each other. Therefore, the Christian faith in the abstract is very appealing to most people. Everyone is seeking fellowship with others. But our fellowship goes much deeper than all others. Because ours last past this life. We aren't simply together here and now, and when we die, it's over. We're also there and then in eternity in heaven. That's the hope that is within us. That is why when people look at us crazy for believing in Jesus that He rose from the dead, it's because He's promised that it's for us as well. That we have something to look forward to, even in the bleakest of times. This fellowship finds its fulfillment in the breaking of bread, Holy Communion. Not simply the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. His body and blood also create the godly fellowship with one another and with our Lord. We seek this fellowship. But this fellowship is easily abused when feelings cloud over our theology. And this was the case when the fellowship came under attack last year. When the state demanded that the churches close their doors. What do we do? How do we keep the fellowship going in these conditions? Well, one of the responses was virtual communion. Taking communion at home while either watching or listening to the worship service. What could be wrong with that? There's no real fellowship. It's there in the name, virtual. Fellowship with Christ revolves around His promises. And He has promised not to be just wherever, but He has promised to be around His altar, 
to be there giving his gifts. But we need communion, right? I mean, we need it often. Well, yes, but no. When we get to heaven, Jesus is not going to ask us how many times we received communion. Because if he does, well, we're kind of in trouble with a few of the ideas in our theology about communion. Well, take, for example, our three confirmants. I didn't ask their, I didn't ask their permission to pick on them. I'm doing it anyway because I'm a bully. Right, guys? Okay. Three weeks away from confirmation. Last week, two of them gave me the sigh of death. You know, that noise, just more audible than the eye roll of death. Because they received a blessing instead of communion. So I had to tell them, soon enough. But what happens if something tragic were to happen to them between now and confirmation in three weeks? And they're standing before Jesus in heaven. Is he going to turn them aside because they've never received communion? No. Because their salvation and your salvation and mine is all based not on what we do, not on what we receive, but on the faith that is there in Jesus Christ. The faith they will confess publicly before the congregation in three very short weeks. And if you're listening whether on the computer or on the radio, and are unable to take communion at this altar for whatever reason, if I haven't visited you already, call the church office, set up a time for me to come and bring communion to you, to bring you into the fellowship of the altar. Nothing virtual about it. Jesus reaching out to His beloved brothers and sisters through His called pastor. Let's have true fellowship together with our Lord. Because it's that true fellowship that causes our unity to grow and manifest itself in wonderful ways. One of the ways it happened in Jerusalem was no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. This has given rise to different ideas of what the Christian life and what the church is supposed to be like. On the individual level, I know there's several farmers in this congregation who are very protective of their own equipment. Why? Well, because it's theirs. They're still paying for it. But to have everything in common, that nothing is our own, what does that mean? Well, on the individual level, the church set up monasteries and convents, established to exercise the faith in a communal setting where the entire community was established and surrounded and built up by God's Word, where the entire community can come together to care for their neighbor's need. So Luke can say of the church in Jerusalem, there was not a needy person among them. Unfortunately, as those communities evolved over history, the community itself became the main focus, leaving God's Word behind much like the Amish and Mennonite colonies also did that would come along later. On a social level, people want to take these remarks from Acts 2 and Acts 4 and prove that God desires us to all be socialist and communist. 
that everything should be left up to the government to decide and distribute because they know much better who has the greatest need. But history has shown us that that's not the utopia that many people think it is either. But the Bible isn't to be used for political gain because the gains that you get from the Bible are completely and totally personal. Not just a me and Jesus faith. A faith that wants to be shared. That has an outward focus where God's love is shared to those around us. Especially those who need it. Therefore, Christians can live a life where they have everything in common. With this commonality, there is great grace that comes upon us all. In this grace, we are bold to sing as we will at the end of the service, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. This commonality prompts us to share, to bring more into this wonderful community. And we see this as we look to Easter and Jesus' early resurrection appearances. On Easter morning, the angel told the women at the tomb, Go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. Jesus then appears to Mary Magdalene saying, Go to my brothers. That night, Jesus appears in the locked upper room saying, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The Christian faith is all about being sent. Sent by God to distribute His gifts to those who need them most. St. Paul famously put this into practice wherever he went. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of the God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. St. Paul went out everywhere, to Jew and Gentile alike, to proclaim the gospel of salvation, to walk in Christ's light before everyone, showing that we have fellowship with one another, and that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So as we walk among our neighbors, sharing Christ's light, we share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other, we share a sympathizing tear. There are times... Walking in His light, we share the joy of that light. There are times that we share in the sorrow of someone having the shadow of death cast over them. And then there are times, in fact, every time, where we can share the gospel's comfort in our lives. Because this comfort doesn't come whether things are going good or going bad. It's there all the time. It's the very essence of being one heart and soul as a community. The very essence that comes from our risen Lord, making us His own, bringing us into His fellowship, making us sons and daughters of the King, shining His light so that we may walk in it. The light that reveals that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.